My guest this week is someone who I've very much looked up to since I first heard her story. Wad Al-Khatib is the director of the film For Sama. For anyone who hasn't heard of this film, it's available for free on 4OD and you should definitely go and watch it. But be prepared, it's one of the most emotional and impactful films that I've ever seen. For Sama is an intimate insight into the female experience of war. It's a very unique war film because, coming from the perspective of a woman, it's tender and beautiful, yet devastating all at the same time. Wad documented living through the uprising and the siege in Aleppo, in Syria, for five years. During this time, she fell in love and got married to a doctor called Hamza and gave birth to her beautiful daughter Sama, an amazing juxtaposition in amongst so much death and destruction. The film shares incredible stories of loss, laughter and survival, and Wad describes it as a love letter to her daughter. So yeah, as you can imagine, the opportunity to speak to Wad was a really big deal for me, and I actually need to tell you what happened when we met. So despite being overly prepared for our conversation, I got lost on my way to meet her, and somehow I was late. Wad and I didn't have that long together in the first place, so in my rush to set up my microphones, they didn't record properly, and the audio of this interview isn't great quality. Fortunately, though, Wad's words make up for my lack of technical ability, and I'm sure that you will still enjoy our conversation. You're listening to the Worldwide Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Jazz O'Hara, and together with some very special guests, we'll be taking you on a journey across the world without you having to go anywhere. We're here to amplify voices, from the people leaving their countries and everything behind them, to the volunteers working alongside them. We'll be hearing from those currently living in refugee camps and people working on the front line, the real heroes of today, the humans behind the statistics and the headlines. Join me as we transcend borders, nationalities, religions and languages to hear from the people with which we share this world, our worldwide tribe. such an absolute pleasure to have you on the Worldwide Drive podcast. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a long pleasure. time coming. How are you right now? How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, fine. Still busy. So much events happening online. It's great because the conversation like still happening. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when you feel upside down every like five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, that, it's good. Yeah. Good, yeah. I saw you had an event last night with Choose Love, right? Yeah, and just one, like, just finished five minutes before you came. One after yeah. the next. So yeah. lockdown has been busy for you. Yeah, I thought, you know, like, it would be, like, quiet, calm. I can, like, just relax a little bit, think a little bit and process, but it's never would happen. It didn't work out like that. Wad, when I was um, thinking about this interview and I was reading about you, I realised that we were the same age and it just resonated with me so much because I thought wow I mean did you ever imagine that at 29 this is what your life would look like? No I've never really like thought about this and I was just saying today in the morning that panel like you know I now before I even like reached the age of 30 I've experienced like death more than I've experienced life 
And just, you know, like to think about everything happened from the beginning. I'm really proud that um, I witnessed this uh, like period of time in our country. I know how difficult is it and how hard is it, but I'm still like very proud that I was able like to participate in this. Yeah, I mean, and what an asset it is that you have because it's been such an eye-opener for so many people. Maybe we should start from the beginning. Maybe you can take a minute to introduce yourself. My name is Wad Al-Khatib. I'm a Syrian woman, mother and activist and filmmaker. I studied uh, economics at Aleppo University and that's where the whole story began. Tell me about that because you first went to Aleppo, you were 18, right? Yeah, I went to Aleppo University when I was 18. I started like normally as any student in this world and in Syria, usually like what all my generation had. We were just thinking about next after the university, where we want to go, where our plan to travel out of Syria. We always like wanted just like to go out. And when I was 21, the Syrian revolution started and I joined the protest. And that was the first time when I felt that, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay. I want to do something here. Uh, this is my country. And it was really the first time I feel that I'm Syrian and I'm proud that I'm Syrian. Okay, so actually it was being there and being part of the revolution that made you feel that affinity to your home country. Yeah, before this we've never felt any positivity about our country. Like we knew that the life there is very limited. You are controlled by the regime in everything you want to do. So, you know, like you've never had a dream in that like place because everything around was killing that dream. And when the Syrian revolution started, it was really the first time we feel that, no, like we have something to do. We, we have like, we belong to this place. We, we have a dream now we will, we should like work for. It's your purpose. Yeah. What was it then that initially encouraged you to pick up the camera? So I'd say like it was a very natural response to what was happening. We were a bunch of people who were like protesting demanding for better life, dignity, freedom. And the regime was, like, respond to this very, very high level of violence and very, like, immediately, let's say. So Ward began to document the peaceful protests that she took part in against President Bashar Assad's regime in her country. Let's just take a minute to think about whether any of us have joined any protests over the last couple of years. I know that I have in London. Imagine that the government responded to these protests with extreme violence. In Ward's case, she documented the massacre that followed those initial protests. In her film, you see hundreds of bodies of handcuffed civilians being pulled from the river after being tortured and executed with bullets to the head. These people's only crime was living in areas that opposed the regime, and they paid for it with their lives. I'll never forget the scene of them being buried in mass graves, Ward explains that she was shocked at the lengths that the regime would go to to stay in power. But this just fueled the protests further. At that time, you can look at the channels or the state announcements. They were trying to ignore all of these like, movements, like beat these movements, kill, kill, kill it, really. We wanted to have proof like, and evidence. We wanted ourselves to feel that we are existed. I pick up my phone as so many other Syrians. And we start like to record and film and take like capture any footage, any video, photo, just like sound, 
just something that this is happening, you know. I can imagine that feeling like you had something to do during that time was important as well. Yeah, and you know, like on, on the regime, like state channels and this like, platforms, they were just like saying there's nothing. And in one very like, famous news program on the TV, like the Syrian regime uh, TV channel, the presenter went out. Uh, she showed one uh, video from one of the protests and she said... These videos are fake and it's made by like foreigners. And these people who are gathering in this neighborhood of Damascus, they are not uh, going out against the regime. They are just like going out to thanking God for rain. You know, at that time you think, are they really like dealing with us in this disrespectful way? The government, we know that they've never like cared about us or like felt that we are like human beings. I remember reading something that Hamza said actually about that if people see the truth, then that's how they can care. And I feel like that's so important that people needed to see the truth at that time so that they could actually feel invested in what was happening. During that time, you know, you ended up filming a lot of very difficult and harrowing things. Was it ever difficult for you to continue filming? Yeah, like it was all the time very difficult, you know, like not just to continue filming, but to find your way to keep like, some hope and some meaning for why you're still even like alive through that death. But at the same time, there was something every day telling you, like, no, you should keep filming. I remember so many times in some, like, events happened or, like, very tragedy, like, moments where I just wanted my camera off and run, you know, like, I don't know where to run, but I just want to, like, run. One of the main, like, things, like, still in my mind and my heart until today, and that was a big moment in the film itself when the baby uh, who born because of a shell happened. Wad is talking about a scene in the film where a woman who is nine months pregnant is rushed to the emergency room of the hospital in which Wad and her husband Hamza live. The pregnant woman has been injured in a shelling and Wad films her as she has an emergency caesarean. The doctors pull a tiny lifeless body from her belly and we watch as they perform CPR on her baby. It seems to go on forever. Time stands still as they rub and slap and shake the tiny body and suddenly a miracle happens and the baby begins to cry and I imagine that all of you who have seen it, including me, cried with him as we watched. When I was filming this uh, boy who just like be alive now and he's dead and like you can see him like he was blue, totally blue and no one expected even like me, the doctors, everyone that he could be like alive at any second and they were just trying to do their best in this one and for this I wanted just like to turn the camera off and run literally so many times I was almost like going to do this and for me you know I gave birth at the same room exactly and at that time someone was just three months old so I know exactly how what does that mean for a a mother who's waiting for her first child like for nine months and then that's what happened When he opened his eyes and that scene, I literally looked from behind the camera just trying to check if I, if I'm like imagining this or is that really true? Like this is a moment where I always like feel, you know, every time I feel bad when I was filming or doing something, I feel that like, no, I'm here because I have something to do and filming could be just like one important thing I can do while I'm, I'm there. 
for sure. And you and Hamza both had an incredible purpose in being there and had so much to do. One of the things in the film that I think I would imagine a lot of people ask you is about that moment when you actually leave Aleppo and you cross the border to Turkey, right? And you go and visit some family and then you all come back together to Aleppo. And of course, it's very clear that you and Hamza need to go back and that you have that purpose. But I imagine that a lot of people ask you, why did you bring Sama with you? I mean, it was really like hard decision, but it was a very quick one. And we didn't really like have a chat about it. We just looked into the eyes of each other and it was very clear that we want to be back. You know, like every time you think about things, you, you always like expect the worst thing, but at the same time, you still have some faith that this is what like, could never happen. And we knew that Aleppo will be sieged one day and we expected this, but at the same time there was very strong thing in our minds that the world outside will never make this happen. Like there's 300,000 civilians inside this city. We knew from minute one when we get married and then when someone was born that we are just in this all together. We didn't know if that will be like happy ending or bad ending, but the only thing we knew that as a family, we should be all together in this, and we hope just like that we can, able, we will be able like to pass this like together. So basically, if you survive, then you're together, and if you die, then you're together. Yeah, and you know, just kind of that thinking. If if something happened to us, she will grow like and as an orphan. She doesn't know her parents. Mm-hmm. Will she understand like that why we abandoned her? You know, so many like difficulties. Bringing baby Summer back into Aleppo may have seemed a controversial choice from the outside, but Ward and Hamza knew that Summer was one of many more children living through the war in Aleppo and that she belonged to this community. She was a part of it. In the film, we get to know their family friends, Salam and Afra, and their three beautiful children. Their eldest son cries at the idea of leaving his home of Aleppo and tells Ward that he wants to be an architect when he grows up so that he can help rebuild the city. When you know like that you are going into in, into Aleppo and you know like there's Salim Afra and three kids, Musamzin and Naya, who we know very well. Aleppo wasn't just like, you know, a front line. There was like a whole community of people who, like there's so much kids and families. So she's just like one of these people. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Actually, what happened to them after you guys left Aleppo? So uh, Afra is here in the UK and she is waiting for her family like to come to the UK, hopefully soon. She claimed asylum and she came to attend the BAFTA with us. Amazing, I saw that. Yeah, (laughs) she was with us on the stage and now she's just waiting for her family to come. Like we hope just it will be a new beginning for them and especially for the kids who... Even after Aleppo and everything they've been through there, they are suffered a lot from like the situation in Turkey and like at the school and the new situation. So we hope just like they can find some peace here and just like continue their life. You know, I'm really interested in as well the impact on all of you that in the film you show so much strength and bravery. How in the years that have followed in being here, do you think that those experiences have impacted you now? Yeah, I, I think, of course, yes. And there's so much things which we didn't even like know yet. I think the main thing what makes us like keep going and finding this strength is the responsibility more than anything else. For example, for me, finding my way through for Sama and making it, 
like seeing really how it's impacted people and how people can really like react to this. Now we have this impact campaign action for summer and I'm trying also to keep my working going uh, like at Channel 4 News for stories related to Syria and to what's happening. Like keep this conversation about Syria everywhere. Like I think the moment when we will really like start to face what we've been through and process everything will be when this suffering will be end. Unfortunately, now after like three years of fleeing Syria, like the situation there is still very bad. The attacks uh, from the Russian and the Syrian forces still like happening on Idlib and some other places. You can't really like uh, like collapse or like be weak where you see that there's so many people who still like inside, still suffering until today. So whilst it's still happening, you can't completely release the emotion yeah because i know at the end of this like we were with everything you've seen in the film we still one of the luckiest families who were able to go out and be safe now with my two daughters while i know how many like other mothers and parents and families who still until today living in camps or fleeing from an area again to another area like escaping the death so you know this like comparing between where we are and where they are I should stop doing anything just to keep going and try in any way to end the suffering for the Syrian people What about with the girls? Do you notice an impact in them? They seem so happy and they're beautiful and they're just kids, right? Yeah, Yeah, that was like really something make me really um, like ease a little bit now we had some tough time right after we left Aleppo with Sama specifically, and she's not much like better. Uh, but the main thing that most of the people who we were talking to about that, like this is could happen again at any second, and we just need to be aware about all the other effect that she could have, or any even like me or Hamza have. So we are just you know like trying to be aware of this, but at the same time keep going in this life and giving them the life that they deserve. Yeah, amazing. When do you think that Sama will see the film? She knows very well about the film and she saw the trailer. She saw some of the parts when like our wedding was and like when uh, they were painting the bus and she keeps like asking me why she wasn't at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to tell her like you weren't even born and she like no she wanted to know where she was when 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 the wedding happened so I I think I don't know really when but like for for an example Naya who Afra daughters mm-hmm. she watched the whole film and it was a way of answering like thousands of questions she had all the time and she was just trying to ask her parents about so I think when she will be ready yeah she will like watch it yeah, there'll be a time when it's clear that she's ready for it, I guess. She's seeing all the happy, beautiful bits. I also read when I was reading more about the film that there was 500 hours of footage, right? Yeah. You had to cut down. I mean, how was that as a process? Was that difficult? Yeah, it was very difficult, let's say. I mean, like to live through this and to be aware of all the situations but to relive this in a different way while you are even like out and you know that you will not be able to be back now there was like totally different experience of dealing with this like emotionally and personally but also like to think always about the perfect thing to do for the film itself and for the story 
to bring that like justice as much as you can to the experience itself and not just like my experience but also giving the the story itself a way of making people really engaged. Uh, after I left Aleppo and there was no plan at all of making a film and then I had all my archive and start like looking through everything and with the amazing help from Chamfon News team and then they introduced me to Ed and we start working together. Wad has been working with Channel 4 News for years, filming for them whilst in Syria. After she left, they introduced her to director Edward Watts, who co-directed the film alongside Wad. Together they condensed her 500 hours of footage into the final film. Edward says that Wad's footage is the most incredible archive he has ever had the pleasure to work with. Literally for two years, we opened so many questions. It were all like closed at the last, last version, literally a couple of days before we delivered the film, like, to be ready to, for people to scream. I, just, I can't even imagine, because any editing process is long and difficult, but when you have that emotional attachment as well... Actually, that's why, that's why like, Ed, attendance in the film was very, very important, and in so many places I wasn't able to judge, you know, like, if that's the right thing or not, if that's really, like, something I even, like, felt or not I need like sometimes to take one step back and be the director not to add the person and other places even if I wanted to take one step back I can't so like working with Edward and see even like the perspective of the people who they've never like came to Syria or they didn't know what does that mean and bring it to my perspective as someone from the inside Yeah, for sure. I can imagine because watching the film, we are you and and I totally embodied you and experienced it from your perspective. So I imagine that when you are then looking at that, trying to also be director, that must be a difficult balance. You need someone who's then not you to be able to step into your shoes. I also read that, you know, you guys didn't even include some of the most harrowing parts yeah. as well that you had to kind of measure how much the viewer could could take yeah we've tried so hard to make this balance and we failed like so many times and we did like kind of test screening for friends family and some even like neighbors who never like knew anything about Syria we just wanted to to know like the right level of this but because even like Edward he've been to other places like as war zones and he experienced so much things but, like, we needed someone who really fresh because in one point even Ed was, like, too much involved in the film. And, like, in one of the test screening, it was, like, just disaster, you know, like, the result of that. And then we went back and take another like, couple of shots out and bring another things instead. And, like, you know, just trying to find that level where people can really understand what war means. And that's one of the things which we both agree on. We have responsibility to show people this horror. We will not show people and make them, you know, away from that. But at the same time, how we can make people like understand really what is this mean, but also like to continue with the film to the end, which is like the other challenge we had. Yeah, you need people to be able to still sit through it. But the frustrating thing is that, like, you know, you guys lived through that. But I, I feel like no level of uh, anyone who says, oh, I, I want to watch it, but I'm worried about the emotional impact. You think, well, just watching it, you know, is nothing compared to living through it. So everybody should actually watch it. <laughs> I mean, uh, thank you for this. Yeah, but I totally understand when people can't, because even when we lived through this, you know, like it was... Uh, gathering of so many like 
experience we had before until we reached that point and we were able like to live through this and so many times if they had the chance like to escape that situation they will so i totally understand because this is not the normal thing that people should use to yeah i guess so so the film it ends with you leaving aleppo and i'd love to know a little bit more about how that felt you know, like when we left, it was very like obvious for us that the most like worst experience we had was like leaving Aleppo, and we were shocked when people outside were like literally coming to us and saying, "Oh, congratulations, you are out, you are safe." And for us, you know, like this was making us more like have more pain because we didn't really want to leave, and we wanted people to understand this. And if we had any other choice, we would leave. And for this, I, I, I felt that my main responsibility through this message of the film to make people understand that, you know, like first, it wasn't our decision. Second, we are not happy with this. Until today, I'm like really able to watch everything in the film and be fine with it, but not the last bit. And I, I think it will take like very long time until I'll be okay to face this fact. But yeah, like it was even somewhat from the last like bit of the film, it was really like not just coming out from my heart because the whole film was, but it was something like until today I can't face or like process. That's the hardest bit for you to watch. Yeah. Yes. When do you think that you'll go back? I'm living for that hope. So I'm doing everything and I know it's not like easy, but I know also like it's not reality, but I want to keep this in front of my eyes and keep finding my hope in my way. And I hope I will be back. Let's talk a little bit about life in England and how you got here. So I came as a visa, like visitor visa, because I had a good relationship with Channel 4 News and I was one of them, their team. And I came a couple of times before I claim asylum here uh, to attend some ceremonies related to the news work that we had together. And uh, at one point there was no um, more like time to stay in Turkey and to continue our life there and no way of us to be back. So we had to took that decision very quickly. We came to the UK, we claimed asylum. I had to leave my second daughter, Tema, for five months. Like, I was able to issue her papers wow. because the, like, the regime authorities, they rejected to register like her in the Syrian system. So she had no Syrian papers. And in Turkey, you can't get any, like, paper for her. So the only option was, like, to come here and we should, like, come in through, like, very quickly, you know, in one month we had to like take this decision and we didn't know if that was like totally right or not. But it was like all fine after we came and it took them like four months until they give us our, our asylum, which is a quick like, yeah. time. And then one month later, Taima was here. So Sama was with you when you yeah, came? Yeah, Sama was with me, Mihamza and Sama, and Taima was like in Turkey. And through this four months, I was just like trying, you know, to focus on the film as much as I can to just like not even think about that decision that I had to take. You know, when I was in getting into Aleppo, I got some with me. And then in this totally different like experience, I, I couldn't. And there was no even way to do that. So um, five months, I just tried to forget about that 
time and then like yeah we started our life for here all together i'm working at champion news now and the last year was like just an incredible year very unique year and i i still until today i can't really like you know understand what happened it's amazing how people were really caring about the film and they wanted to know more they wanted to do something and that's why like action for someone was created and i'm just like trying to do my best at this time let's talk about action for summer as well but first i just want to ask you the question because you mentioned last year and obviously last year was the year that you won a bafta and got nominated for an oscar and you're going to yeah. all of these events all over the world and i mean how how do you deal with that idea of like experiencing those events and people drinking champagne and being in these like lavish uh, situations when you know that that this other reality exists within the same world it must be a difficult thing to digest yeah it was so hard but at the same time you know like i didn't really feel that different environment because at every time you were going to like my life my heart my mind and everything i was living through was like still in syria and because everything i've been through like two years ago when when i left it was still happening like exactly you know as it was and even worse in so many cases uh, so we were like for example when we were on the stage of bafta there was like a big attack on idlib at the same day so you know yeah i'm wearing a nice dress i'm doing my hair i'm very happy to see all these like celebrities there but at the same time i know like why i'm standing there i know that i have very important message and i'm here for this reason so the importance you know of the, the issue that i have it was like really covering everything else and yeah it was like quite weird in some many cases like when people ask strange questions or like weird things but yeah like at the end i'm here for something and I like to make every additional person watch the film or not about Syria or do something it was very important and at the same time we worked so hard also on the political line so we were meeting politicians at the same like the next day after BAFTA uh, after all the Oscar we came back to Washington we did some like meeting in the Congress so you know it wasn't just like all about the awards seasons and what was happening there was so much bigger things we were working on at the same time yeah you had a purpose throughout so let's finish up with talking about action for summer a campaign to end the targeting of healthcare facilities in syria but maybe it's worth just taking a minute to talk about what you guys are up to at the moment with the campaign yeah so we worked so hard to kind of reach so many politicians as much as i can decision makers people who can really like make difference on the ground and that was like through the last year as the film was going out now we had like so many new projects which we starting now uh, one of the main things that we are focusing on now is to build a low case against Russia and the Assad regime uh, about targeting hospitals uh, i submitted all the archives that i have and to collect evidence related to war crimes and we are working to build this case soon it will be like the big announcement of that and it just you know very important because at the same time there is like a couple of pieces of uh, a big puzzle of the accountability and justice is happening in Germany, Sweden, Norway and the US and we hope we can like add this piece like to this amazing picture Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this and I'm so grateful to be able to share your story 
as far and wide as possible. I think everybody needs to see this film and hear this story. And it's a unique perspective, but not a unique story for many, many people who are experiencing the same thing, right? And we all need to be aware of that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an amazing conversation. (laughs) In case you didn't quite get that at the end, Ward explained that she is using her footage to build a case against Russia and Assad's regime relating to the war crimes of bombing healthcare facilities like the hospital in which Ward and Hamza lived and worked in Aleppo. I mean, does it get any more important, impactful and inspirational than that? For context, the systematic targeting of health facilities has been part of the strategy employed by the Syrian government and its allies to punish people living in opposition-held territories, destroying their ability to survive and forcing them either into government-held areas or out of the country as refugees. For me, Ward's story, her family and her film have humanised this situation, which otherwise felt so distant and hard to comprehend. I strongly encourage anyone who hasn't yet to go and watch For Summer and check out Action For Summer, the impact campaign set up off the back of the film. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review. It helps more people to find this podcast and it helps me to keep bringing you these stories. The more people who come on this journey with us, the more connected we all become and the more we unite as one worldwide tribe. Big thanks to Alexander Wells for composing our original music and mixing this episode.